Well, please do have uh, your Bibles open at Psalm 24, uh, if you've got them with you. Uh, And we'll be looking at this psalm together. As Jesus uh, rode into Jerusalem, he was seen to be the king of the world. He was seen to be the one who was sent from God, the one from the Lord, the king of the world. And whilst this psalm here doesn't directly prophesy what would happen uh, that Sunday in Jerusalem as he came in on a donkey, this psalm speaks of Jesus, the king of glory. And so we'll look at this psalm together. And if you want a title uh, for this Uh, for this morning's message it's this how to get to heaven how to get to heaven everyone in the world without exception are striving for something better and maybe you know the feeling i don't know what it is that you think that will make your life better here in this world for some They might strive for money and think, if I have more money, that will make life better. For some, it will be comfort. If I can just make my life a bit easier, life will be better. Maybe it's home improvements. If I do this to the house, life will be better. Life will be easier. Maybe some strive for family relationships to be restored. And I think, if that's restored, life in this world will be better it's a perfectly natural thing to do to strive for something better there's something deep down inside each one of us that says this life isn't what it's meant to be as we go through life there's something in us that cries out and says this life isn't what it should be there must be something better to life than this we know deep down we're made for something better and many people in the world strive to reach heaven they strive to reach God whether it's Muslims thinking if I do my good works if I be a good Muslim I might reach God one day I might reach paradise Hindus Catholics Buddhists Christians, believers, we all strive, we long to reach heaven. People want to get to God and reach heaven. And maybe you're here and say, I don't believe in God. I'm not striving to reach God. For many who suppress the fact that there is a God, they try and make their heaven here on earth. And they say, how can I make this life as comfortable, as good as it can possibly be. And they seek to reach heaven on earth. All people striving for something better. We know that this life isn't as it should be. Something isn't right with this life. And there should be, there is something better to look forward to. But how can you get to heaven? How do you reach heaven? Firstly, from this psalm, the God of heaven. Verses 1 and 2. The earth is the Lord's and all its fullness, the world and those who dwell therein. For he has founded it upon the seas and established it upon the waters. 
the God of heaven. The God that people are seeking to reach. The God that you, that I, that everyone in the world are seeking to reach is the God of creation. This isn't a God of your own imagination. To get to heaven, you can't make up God in your own mind and say, this is the God that I'm trying to reach. This will get me to heaven because this is the God that I believe in. It's not the God of your own imagination. Many people say, and maybe you've heard this if you've spoken to them and tried to share the gospel with someone and spoken to them of the Lord Jesus, they might say, well, if it works for you, that's fine. But it's not for me. If you having faith in your God makes you happy, I'm pleased for you, but it's not for me. That's not how it is. There is a God, the creator God, the God who made the world. It's not an optional thing. If believing in this God makes you happy, that's fine, it's good for you, but it's not for me. No. This is the God who made the whole world. The God who created everything. For he has founded it upon the seas and established it upon the waters. When we're trying to get to heaven, when you try and reach heaven, think, how can I get there? You're trying to approach, you're trying to reach the God of creation, the God who made the whole world. Verse 2 reminds us of Genesis chapter 1. He's founded it upon the seas and established it upon the waters. And in Genesis 1 we read that the Spirit hovered over the waters and God created the world. He spoke and the world was made. Psalm 19 tells us the heavens declare the glory of God. No matter how much people try and suppress it and how much people say there is no God. The heavens, the skies, they speak of a creator God. The God we're coming to, the God people are seeking to reach, seeking to get to, is the God of the Bible, the one who created the heavens and the earth. The Lord, the earth is the Lord's, Jehovah, the God that we read of in the Bible, the God of creation. He rules over all. He rules over all. The earth is the Lord's and all its fullness, the world and those who dwell therein. When you make something, it's yours to do with as you please. I don't know if you're an artist or a sculpture and you make things, you create things with your hands, but suppose you paint this great painting and you've taken time and effort and you've created a beautiful painting maybe of the scenery uh, around you, and you've spent time painting this, and your work is finished, and someone comes along and spoils it, they ruin it, they put marker pen all over it, rip it up, they ruin your painting. You would be right and justified to say, you can't do that, that's mine, I created that. It's your creation, your painting. It's not for someone else to come and destroy. God created the world and he owns everything in the world. Everything you see around you 
it's God's. The earth is the Lord's and all its fullness. The bricks that make up this building, they're God's. The trees, the flowers, the plants, God's. The chair that you're sitting on belongs to God. Everything in this world is God's. He made it. But every person in this world belongs to God. The world and those who dwell therein. Many people in this world, and maybe this is you, try and suppress the fact that there is a God and he has authority over your life. Many people say there is no God, he's not ruling over me. Maybe that's what you're saying this morning. I won't have God to rule over me. No matter how much you try and suppress it, the world and those who dwell therein, God does own you. He rules you because he made you. He rules you because he made you. And you aren't to live life as you please. You're to live life as pleases God. The world, a common theme in the world today is, well, if it feels good to you, do it. Live as you please. If it feels right, live that way. But it's wrong. God rules and owns your life. And so you're to live as pleases God. You're not your own to do with as you please. God created you. Acts 17, Paul is speaking to people who've never heard of the Lord Jesus, who've never heard of the God of the Bible. And he speaks of God and he says, you know, in him we have life, we have breath. In him we live, in him we move. God gives breath and life. How can you live unless God gives you each breath? How can you draw in your very next breath unless God grants it to you? Your God's, all you have is God's. Everything that you claim to own in this world belongs to God's. You know the feeling when you borrow something from someone else. You get it and you think, oh, they've looked after it well. And suddenly there's pressure as you're borrowing this item and you think, I must return this in the state that it came. And you're tense the whole time that you've got that thing that you're borrowing. You think, I must return this in the right state, the state that they gave it to me. Maybe you've driven someone else's car. And you come up to a speed bump, and in your own car, you might sort of just fly over it because, well, it's your car. It doesn't matter what you do to your own car. But when it's someone else's car, I can't damage their car. And so you go over that speed bump slowly. You know, you know that feeling of borrowing something from someone else. You look after it because you don't want to have to go back to that person and say, I've broken it. Everything you claim to own in this world belongs to God. You're borrowing it from God. Whatever you have, think about where you live. Whatever's in that house, it belongs to God. You're borrowing it from God. How do you use those things that God gives you? 
Do you treat it as if you're borrowing it? You're just looking after it for God. It belongs to him and he's given it to you as a gift to borrow. If God saw how you used the things that you own, would he be pleased? Would God use the things in your house the same way that you do? The furniture that you sit on, the TV that you watch, the radio that you listen to, If God was to use that object, would he use it in the same way that you would? It belongs to him. All the things that you own, you're to use in a way that's pleasing to God. So the God of heaven, he's the God of creation, he's the God who owns everything. This is the God that people are trying to reach. The owner of everything, the ruler of all the God, the true God, the God of the Bible. So the God of heaven. Who can get to heaven? Who can get to heaven? Verses 3 to 6. Is it possible to reach the God who made the world? The God who spoke and this world came into existence. The God who owns everything in this world, who rules this world. Can anyone come into his presence can anyone approach this God verses 3 to 6 they tell us there is one way one way to approach God only one way to approach God who may ascend the hill of the Lord or who may stand in his holy place verse 4 he who has clean hands and a pure heart who has not lifted up his soul to an idol nor sworn deceitfully. You can reach God, you can approach God, if you've got clean hands. Clean hands speak of actions, outward actions. If your actions in life are clean, you can approach God. If you can say that Every single action in your life that you've ever taken is clean, is right, you can approach God. If you can say that you've never committed an action that's dirty, that's unclean, that's impure, that's wrong, you can come to God. The hands that you have, if they've never stolen, you can come to God. The body that you possess, if you've never used it in an impure, immoral way, you can come to God. If you've got clean hands, you can come to God. If you've got a pure heart, this speaks of inward purity, your thought life. Many will say, my actions are good, I'm a good person. But it goes further, your thought life. If you can say, You've never had a wrong thought about someone else. All your thoughts have been pure. You've never hated anyone in your heart. If you've never done that, you can approach God. You can come into his presence. Who has not lifted up his soul to an idol. If you can say throughout all your life, You've only sought to worship God and never chased after anything else to satisfy you. You can come to God. 
never worshipped anything other than God, you can approach him, you can come to him. Nor sworn deceitfully, you always speak what is right. If you've never told a lie, you can come to God. The way to God is perfection. Clean, pure, no blemishes. If you can say you've done all things, well, there's good news for you. You can come to God. There is a way to come to God. Many in the world will say, well, I'm a good person. I don't seek to harm anyone. And then you ask them, well, are you perfect? Well, no, I'm not perfect, but I'm good. My good is better than my bad. Many will say that. That's not what God says. Not good enough for God. Clean, pure, perfection is required to get to heaven to approach God. Perhaps you know the experience. You're doing a whitewash and you put all the washing, the whitewashing in, and then it comes out pink. What's happened? One item, one item of clothing has slipped into that wash and what you thought was a clean whitewash, one item of clothing has slipped in and it's stained the lot. And you think, how can just one item ruin the whole washing? It makes it all dirty. To come to God is perfection. One, th- one sin, one lie, one impure thought is enough to keep you out of heaven. As you read this, perhaps you're despondent. As I read it, I thought, despondency at first, as, you th- as I thought, this isn't me. I don't come anywhere near. And perhaps you're thinking that you don't come even close to attaining to this standard. You look at your hands and you think, I don't even have one clean hand, one clean finger, one clean fingernail, let alone clean hands. You look at how your life has been just this last day and you go back through your thoughts and your actions and your words and you think the last day hasn't even got close to being perfect, to be pure. We can't, you can't get to God because your hands are dirty and your heart is impure. There's only one way to come to God, it's perfection. You must be perfect, clean and pure. It is the only way to be right with God. If you wear contact lenses, you know the feeling of putting a lens in and there's some dirt in the lens and it affects everything else. You put the lens in and you can feel straight away the dirt. Or maybe you've gone to the beach and one grain of sand has got into your eye and everything else is affected. You can't function as a normal human being because there's one piece, tiny speck of dirt in your eye. It feels like your whole head is throbbing because one speck in your eye, your eye can't handle it. Your eye must be clean. And as soon as there's that speck, everything else is affected. You can't function properly. One speck is enough 
to keep you out of heaven. It affects the whole. One thing wrong, one impure thought, enough to keep you out of heaven. But if it is you, if you can say you've got clean hands, a pure heart, not lifted up your soul to an idol, nor sworn deceitfully, there's great blessing for you. He shall receive blessing from the Lord and righteousness from the God of his salvation. God will say, not guilty, welcome into heaven. If you are clean, if you are pure, God will say, welcome, you're not guilty, come into heaven. Only God can declare someone righteous. Only God can say, someone is right in my eyes. Many people will justify themselves and say, I'm right in my own eyes. What, what I did, I think that was right. It was right to me. It seemed good to me. I was right. Only God can declare someone not guilty. This is Jacob, the generation of those who seek him, who seek your face. This is the true Israel. The true people of God are clean, pure spotless people the true people of god god's family are clean spotless and pure we can't do it you can't do it can you think one day i'll just live pure and 10 minutes in you know it's gone already you can't live this way so the god of heaven the God of creation, who can get to heaven? Well, the one who is clean and pure. One man made it to heaven. One man made it to heaven. Look at verses 7 to 10. Lift up your heads, O you gates, and be lifted up, you everlasting doors, and the King of glory shall come in. Who is this King of glory? The Lord, strong and mighty, the Lord, mighty in battle. Go back for a moment to ancient Rome and the scene as Rome, they're fighting a battle far away from Rome on the borders of their empire. And so Rome sends out a great commander, a great warrior to lead the army to fight the battle. And he fights and he wins the battle and subdues his enemies and there's peace once again in those borders of the Roman Empire. The news gets back to Rome. The commander has won the battle. He's won the victory. He's defeated our enemies. And eventually the commander of the army comes back. And in ancient Rome, what would happen? The commander who won the great battle would be honoured by the emperor. And they pass through the streets of Rome in a chariot drawn by four horses. The crowds would be out praising him. He's won the battle. He's won the victory. They're welcoming back their commander who's won this great victory. And for that day, as he's going through the streets of Rome, he'd be as nearly as high as the emperor. Only the emperor would be above him that day. He'd be treated as if he was the emperor for that day. The crown on his head triumphantly riding through with his captives behind him the spoils of war the banners would be flying the people would be praising him the great victory 
had been won. Here we see the king of the world triumphing. It speaks of Jesus Christ. And it speaks, it's the herald cries out, lift up your heads, O you gates, be lifted up, you everlasting doors. Open the gates, let the king of glory come in. The one who's strong and mighty, the one who's mighty in battle, let him in. Open the gates wide, he's coming back. The Lord Jesus Christ, who left heaven, won the victory and was welcomed back to heaven. The everlasting doors were opened. Heaven welcomed him back. The Lord, the King of glory, triumphed. Jesus Christ came, and where everyone else failed, from Adam right through to you and me today, where we all failed, Jesus Christ won the victory. He is the great creator of the world. He is the God of heaven. Colossians tells us all things were made through him, and yet he came down into this world. No one can go up and reach God because their hands aren't clean and their heart isn't pure. No one can go up and reach God, but God came down in the Lord Jesus Christ. No one could go up, but Jesus Christ came down and he triumphed. He left heaven just like the command of the army would leave Rome, triumph in battle and return. Jesus Christ left heaven, triumphed in battle and returned again to heaven. He triumphed. He had clean hands and a pure heart. Think of the Lord Jesus, the only one who could read this psalm and say, yes, I've done it. I've got clean hands and a pure heart. Never lifted up uh, his soul to an idol, nor sworn deceitfully. Isaiah says, in him was no deceit. Jesus Christ triumphed over sin. Go to the temptation in the wilderness. The devil did all he could to bring the Lord Jesus down. But he said no, and he triumphed over sin. And throughout his 33 years, the devil kept trying to destroy the Lord Jesus. He tried it at his birth when Herod said, kill all the babies. But Jesus wouldn't. Uh, God protected him and he couldn't be killed. He triumphed. He triumphed over the devil time and again as the devil did all he could to make him fall, to make him sin. He triumphed. He was sinless. He was spotless. He triumphed at the cross. He triumphed at the cross when the devil did his worst and caused Judas to betray him, caused the Romans to kill him. Jesus Christ was accomplishing the work that he came to do. He did no wrong and he triumphed at the cross as he dealt with sin. He made atonement for sin. He'd offered a sacrifice once for sins, and then he sat down at the right hand of God. The Lord Jesus, throughout his life, perfect, and went to the cross and triumphed at the cross as he paid for sins, as he satisfied God's anger at sin. 
He paid for sin and he triumphed at the cross. He bore all the anger of God at sin in himself on the cross and he triumphed. The work that he'd come to do was finished. He'd lived the life, the clean hands and the pure heart and he died the death that he didn't deserve. And he triumphed over the grave. He triumphed in his life. He triumphed in the cross, at the cross. He triumphed over the grave. And as God saw the work that the Lord Jesus had done in paying for sin, in atoning for sin, he raised him up and said, I'm pleased with his work. I'm satisfied that sin has been dealt with. And the great punishment from sin, death, was beaten as Jesus rose from the grave. O death, where is your sting? The Lord Jesus triumphed over the grave. And as Rome, they'd welcome back their warrior who'd gone into battle. They'd fling the gates open. The warrior would come in and be praised by the inhabitants of Rome. As Jesus left heaven, he triumphed in his life, he triumphed in his death, He triumphed as he rose again. Heaven's gates were opened wide as the Lord Jesus came into heaven. He ascended again and he entered heaven to the praise of angels. He'd done the work, he'd won the victory that God the Father had sent him to do. The Lord Jesus Christ, the only one who had clean hands and a pure heart, Heaven's gates could not stay shut for him. They had to welcome him in. He was clean. He'd won the victory. You'll notice that verses uh, 9 and 10, they almost repeat verses 7 and 8. Lift up your heads, O ye gates. Lift up, you everlasting doors, and the King of glory shall come in. Who is this King of glory? The Lord of hosts. He is the King of glory. Heaven's gates will open again. Heaven's gates will open again as Jesus returns to this world. They've opened already to let Jesus through and to let Jesus enter. But as Jesus returns to this world, heaven's gates will open again. And they'll open for all his people. The Lord of hosts, he'll bring a host with him to heaven. The work that the Lord Jesus has done was sufficient to bring many people to heaven. Heaven's gates will open to you if you've got clean hands and a pure heart. You can have clean hands and a pure heart. Not on your own merit, not on your own strength, can you do what is right and have clean hands and a pure heart. But 2 Corinthians tells us that God made the Lord Jesus, who knew no sin, God made him who knew no sin to become sin for us, that we might receive the righteousness of God in him. God put on Jesus my sin, and as I trust the Lord Jesus, I get all the goodness of Jesus for myself. You can know what it is to have clean hands. You can know what it is to be righteous. 
as you trust in the Lord Jesus, as you realise he's the only one who lived the life that you should have lived, he's the only one who had clean hands and a pure heart, as you trust him, all your sin is put on Christ and all his goodness is given to you so that when God looks at you, he doesn't see all your sinful actions. He doesn't see all your sinful thoughts. But instead, he sees all the goodness of the Lord Jesus Christ. To get to heaven, you must have clean hands and a pure heart. You cannot do it in your own strength. Take the goodness of the Lord Jesus for yourself. Take his death on the cross for you and say he died for me, he paid for my sin on the cross and take all his goodness on yourself. The Bible uses the word of clothing yourself, the, the language of clothing yourself in righteousness. It's, it's as if he gives you a cover he covers all of your sins so that when God looks at you, he sees pure, purity, a pure heart, clean hands. Trust the Lord Jesus. Take his goodness for yourself. Come to the cross of Christ and say, he bore my sin and I'll take all his goodness and trust in him alone to get you to heaven. He's the only way you can get there. Have you come? Have you taken it for yourself? Have you trusted that he died for you? And have you taken all his goodness for yourself? And are you trusting only in him to get you to heaven? He's the only way you can get there.